Alright, an association with nzhikes.co.nz, welcome to Bushwhacked, not the wrestlers. True tales of adventure from the wilds of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Listeners, welcome back after that lovely theme song. Uh, you're joined by me, your host, Cam Clark, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mark Wilson. Mark, how are you today? Kia ora, kia ora. Uh, hello everybody. Very good, very soaking wet, as we are now going into the wettest July in Christchurch history. Really? Oh, that's climate change Just for you. Yeah, how's that for a, for a starter? So, uh, yeah, no, it's good good to be inside as opposed to outside. Now, the are, the, are the farmers happy? No, no, the farmers <laughs> are not happy. The farmers have lakes. The farmers no longer have paddocks. Therefore, the farmers probably not too happy with what's going on. And uh, this is only just warming up as well. Oh, so, God. yeah, watch this space. So there's a... What? A lot more rain to come. So what? we've had... They whinge when there's no rain, and then they whinge when they get rain. So what are you supposed to do? <laughs> it's a lose-lose situation, Cameron. It's a lose-lose <laughs> situation. Well, uh, here in the lovely uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, uh, we're actually uh, right in the middle of summer, because that's how hemispheres work. Um, and we actually had a shit ton of rain ourselves in spring. Um, basically, because mm. uh, we had a horrible winter. Well, they're all horrible, but this one was really horrible, and had, we had a lot more snow. And uh, all that melted snow is like ran down all the rivers because that's what snow does, right? It melts and then it mm-hmm. fills into the rivers and lakes, and it's like widespread flooding. Like uh, my my basement flooded for the very first time ever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. Pretty brutal. So it's apologies to uh, the younger generation for um, ruining the planet. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of gallows humour, but like it's 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 actually kind of true. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and we've had three significant weather events in one month. So when do you stop calling them significant weather events and just call them the weather again? <laughs> Oh, the volcano's erupting again. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's just, yeah, just normal. Yeah, yeah. Normally you'd be surprised by things like that, but no. No, not these days. All right. Um, Hey, look, old business. Uh, So uh, I feel like I'm chairing a meeting now. Uh, Now now that we've read the minutes from the last meeting, uh, old business. Now, uh, listeners, uh, me and uh, Mark had a discussion uh, off, uh, off mic and uh, we discovered it wasn't actually Paul McCartney that called Invercargill the asshole of the world, as I said last episode. Uh, so I did a little bit of research. You might be interested in this, Mark. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, uh, it's actually disputed about whether it was Keith Ooh. Richards or Mick Jagger. 
Ah, yes. Um, now, it's actually amazing how much research has been done on this issue. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's indicative of New Zealand's national inferiority complex. Uh, yes. 50 years ago, a famous guy insulted us. Yes. <laughs> we now, want to get to the bottom of this. And we got to get to the bottom of this. Which um, famous guy was it? Yeah. So uh, it was either Keith Richards or Mick Jagger, because uh, they both wrote biographies, but they both both biographers claim tell that story, and then they claim it was uh, one of them claims it was Keith, one of them claims it was Mick, and uh, right. the full quote is, uh, "Bluff is the asshole of the world, and Invercargill ah. is twenty miles up it." <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I never knew that part. All right, it is. And then I also uh, I know I also discovered an urban legend. That, uh, and this is un, uh, unproven, but apparently a local responded with, Ah, oh, well, I guess you're just passing through then. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Now, kids, that's what's called research. You should do it before you hear a fact and then just assume that the fact is correct. It's true. And uh, as long as you've got your, uh, your research and critical thinking skills with the internet at your fingertips, there's, uh, mm-hmm. there's really no excuse for it these days. Like... Uh, you know, I was at a music festival the other week with my friends, and we had to actually stop ourselves from Googling things because we were enjoying the argument. Because <laughs> ah. you don't get yeah, to do it that is, anymore. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, it's a... and, and uh, so we had to say, no, 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 don't look it up. Let's talk about this. <laughs> yes. We're going we're gonna to yes. look it up in 20 minutes. <laughs> and like pub quizzes and all that, how does that work these days when you can just oh, they, um... have the old... I've actually been to some pub quizzes. They just they just tell you, please don't go on your phone. Like, what's nah. the what's the point? Like, don't be a you know, like you're you're at a you're at a, a fun pub quiz. Like, it's it's not worth cheating for the twenty dollar bar voucher. Like, <laughs> uh, well, Cameron, I don't know. We'll go back to that. You know, New Zealand inferiority complex. Our national sports team lost a series to Ireland. First series lost to Ireland. Ever. Yeah, in the history and, of the sports team. And that's a 150-year-old yep. legacy right now. Uh, yeah, I believe. And we, we are now a couple of weeks beyond that. And every sports news broadcast will begin with something to do with it. Just, just to remind you that you're supposed to be sad now. Like... Because, like, guys, like, yes, the All Blacks are a good team, and we know that it's our thing, and we all care about it. But like, get some perspective on this. It's I know. it's I know. literally the first time they've ever lost a, 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 a series, and they've played what, like, thirty times? Like, <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. good record, guys. Like, yeah. oh yeah. god, that's a thing. Yeah, it's it? the. Well, like, and, and so, you, you know, you think of, like, Genghis Khan and the Roman Empire and all that. Like, eventually, it came to an end. Yeah. yeah. And we can't be, like, eventually, it has to end. Like, and for them, for us, like, a good thing that um, my ma actually brought up was what a team to lose to. Like, we've got the probably the nicest of them all when it comes to rugby nations to lose to because the Irish I mean the passion mm. and just you know growing men who are 6 foot 5 130 kgs crying yeah. because they're just so amazed at what they've achieved so you know full cred like, yeah, full cred and I'm, them, a, right? I'm, a, I'm 
Yeah. Like, like every, yeah, t- like, every time the All Blacks gets, get criticised, oh, what's wrong? You know, the performance isn't good. Nobody ever mentions, well, hey, Ireland actually played really well. Yes. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. people get outplayed, and that's okay. Because it's like, over here in North America, they always talk about sports dynasties. You know, like, uh, mm. like the Chicago Bulls with Jordan. Yes. You know, like, that's yes. a dynasty, yes. right? But it's like, mm. they didn't win the championship after Jordan left because the dynasty is over. You have to rebuild, right? But, mm. like, New Zealand's had this rugby dynasty for, like I said, what, like 120, 150 years now? Yeah. Where we don't yeah. lose very much. And so we're not used to it. And so whenever we do, oh, everyone's up, up in arms about it. It's crazy. Yeah. Because it's... Um... Well, yeah, we've got a bit of sidetracked. Yeah, we're getting a little sidetracked. Getting on a rant here. Anyway, I enjoy talking yes. to you too much. That's the problem. Now, uh, yeah. uh, one more correction as well, uh, uh, dear listeners. Uh, yes. I also, uh, Mark told a story about Mystery Lake. Uh, mm. We had an off-air discussion about whether the name counts as ironic. And uh, now I think it does. Because the lake oh. is not a mystery. It's a really big goddamn lake. So it's, yes. a, ver- it's a very obvious lake. So therefore, yes, yes the naming is ironic. And uh, another great example of colonizers not being bothered to come up with interesting names for things. Which, which will be a recurring theme <laughs> when it's all said and done. Which, um, yeah, sad fact about this great country of ours. Yeah. I, so, I, made, uh, I, was, yeah. I started making like a list about that. I was like, how many uninteresting names are there? And uh, we'll, we'll get more into it in, in, in later episodes, dear listeners. But uh, just to give you a little hint, we have two main islands in New Zealand. Uh, one of them is further south, and one of them is further north. And so we called them the North Island and the South Island. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your first example. Uh, that's just mm. one taste of uh, some of the boring that's place s- names. That sets the at. tone. That sets the tone right there. <laughs> oh, it sure does. Now, Mark, uh, just before we get into it, I am going to need from you a Mark Injury Update. All right, so, so it was what, nearly a month ago, was it a month ago? Yeah, I think it was about it was a, a long month time ago, ago that we recorded, yeah. Yep, so the last time I'd um, been told I had hernias, possibly multiple hernias, mm-hmm. and was going to go see the surgeon, so go see the surgeon, and... A little side note is the fact that the hospitals in Canterbury, or the hospital in Christchurch, the main hospital for all of Canterbury, is at about 120% capacity. Now, I didn't do very well in school cert math, so I have to admit. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Cam, uh, but I don't think you can have 120%. I thought 100% was the maximum. So therefore, we're, um, we're a little bit broken at the moment. And so I go in expecting to be told, right, you've got a da-da-da-da-da and your surgery will be da-da-da-da-da. And I go in and get told, it's probably not a hernia and you need a CT scan. Right. So, okay, that's not what I was expecting to hear. Um, and we even asked the guy, like, what, what's the waiting time? Because everything's so slow at the moment due to the the health system being a wee bit broken. And he said, you're probably looking at about two weeks to get an appointment and then probably up to a month to get the scan. And when it got to nearly a month and I hadn't even got an appointment, 
it was looking like things weren't going exactly the way he said so quite a lot of phone calls and waiting time later it turns out that I was only on a waiting list and the waiting list could be six to eight weeks wait a minute so you you were on a list to get on a list yes <laughs> yes so with a lot of sort of argument and saying you know what is going on here now two and a half years down and no real clear answers about you know what my exact injury to my hip is um, eventually got a date for a CT scan on the 1st of August and uh, we're good here in New Zealand in the fact that we've got a system that'll pay 80% of your wages whilst you are injured um, but the thing about that is you just sit there with your in limbo with life carrying on around you so it would be nice to be fixed so I can um, continue on with life so as far as um, yeah, the update goes, there really is no update. The update is watch the space. No, well, that's that's an update. Getting getting put on a list to get put on a list is at least something. I mean, it's better than not mm. getting put on the list. To go well, on I'm confirmed list. on a list now, which is good. Oh, there you go. All right. So you know, it's all it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, very good. Now, um, Mark. Can you give us a little background about the story that you're going to be telling today before we launch into it? What do you got for us? Right, so today's story is about how in New Zealand um, you can set out for something during the summer and if you're not prepared for the winter as well, you may actually find yourself getting into a bit of trouble for this mission took place in January and in the southern hemisphere back to the southern hemisphere and the northern hemisphere thing january is probably arguably the hottest time for us here in new zealand it's the middle of our summer and it was during this mish that i actually encountered some snow quite a lot of snow and um well as you'll hear things got quite interesting all right well without further ado mark Take us on a mesh. All right, so it was the summer of 2011. And, um, well, 2011 was interesting for the people of the South Island, for the South Island was moving quite a bit during the end of 2010 and 2011. Um, but that has nothing to do with our story today, because the story today... Uh, is called Summer Snow, and our setting is on the wonderful Rootburn track. So I used to be a guide on the Rootburn track. I was lucky enough to do the Rootburn track 124 times as a guide. And uh, every time was as good, if not better, than the last. And if you want to come to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and get money's worth within three days, I highly recommend the Rootburn track. Now... When I was working on the track, we had what was known as the Guide Flat, a three-bedroom house in Queenstown, and within that house, there was around 15 to 17 people living there, and as bad as that sounds, it's only bad at the start and the end of the season, for during the season, of course, these guys are all guides, and the guides are always out on the track, 
So when you're working with the guides, it's like being given a whole bunch of people with the same interests and a lot of them become friends and become friends for life. So when you finish your trips around the Rootburn or the Greenstone, usually when you go back home, you can find someone to go on a mish with, to go onto the mountains with. However, on this occasion, just due to circumstance, there was no one there. So it was time for a solo mission, which I'm always happy to do. And I was heading off to climb a mountain known as Ocean Peak. Now, Ocean Peak gets its name because from the summit you can look out to the west and see the Tasman Ocean. And Ocean Peak is also what's circled on the route burn track itself. So you spend a majority of the walk circling around this awesome mountain. And so I was going to climb it, and I was going to climb it from the route burn track side, or the route burn shelter, sorry, side. And that meant driving from the flat into uh, Queenstown uh, through to Glen Orkey, and then from Glen Orkey to the route burn shelter and the uh, start of the track. Now, the day before, a southerly storm had blown through and it was clearing. So usually after a big southerly storm, we get pretty fine weather, clear weather, sunny weather. So I knew that was going to happen. But what I didn't realize is that this southerly storm was actually going to put quite a bit of snow down. Now it's January, okay, so it's the middle of summer. And me, at this age, at this level of experience, thought, ah, what's the worst that could happen? As we've uh, learned, sometimes things don't quite go to plan, and it makes the trip interesting. We all know what interesting means, don't we, Cam? There's so, word. Yeah. So... <laughs> I set off and I start out in the dark because I'm going to do all of this in a day and it's quite a bit of distance to cover to go from Queenstown and then get back to Queenstown. So I set off in the dark and as I'm driving along it's slowly getting light and as it's getting lighter I can see that there's quite a lot of snow on the tops of all the mountains around me but to me that just makes the pictures look better. Uh, so eventually I get to the car park, the Rootburn Shelter, park up lock up and off I go and as I'm heading away the clouds above me are all clearing and I can see there's quite a bit of snow the snow's down to about the tree line and the tree line is about a thousand meters above sea level and I've started my adventure at around 400 meters above sea level so I've got a bit of climbing to do and as I make my way along the track I eventually bump into the guided walkers because they're of course walking the other direction and I have a good talk to the the guides there my mates and then I continue on now I continue on and I get further up the track to a place known as Rootburn Falls Lodge and when I get to there I go on and say hello to the lodge managers because of course part of the whanau part of the family and I'm in the snow now so I'm above the trees I'm in the alpine world and I'm in the snow and to me, what, this is just fuel for uh, more adventure, better photos. I'm not thinking anything bad could happen at this stage. Or sorry, anything interesting could happen at this stage. Uh, so I continue on and I push further up. And once above the lodge, you get into a massive big basin. And from this basin, um, I looked at a, a gully, so a, a small crack in the mountainside and thought if I could scramble up to that, then 
I could get onto one of the main ridges and just follow the ridge to the summit. So to get to the gully was a little mission in itself because in the alpine world here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we have a thing known as Horrid Spaniard. And Horrid Spaniard, or Bastard Grass, is what some people call it, uh, is a very spiky plant and it actually has a little toxin in the end of it and that's how it protects itself from getting eaten by the animals that live in the alpine world as well so to push a, through this just, sorry i'm just curious is that an invasive species is that why it's called spanish something no like this is a this is no it's a native i mean um i'm not sure on the naming i should actually do some there you go research, research for the next episode <laughs> absolutely okay i'll make um because <laughs> i don't know why yeah i don't know why it's called horrid spaniard but um i'm sure it's nothing to do with the spanish it's a great name. but really nasty st- Oh, it's really nasty stuff. Bastard grass, it makes up for it when you go through it. So um, a few scratches later, I was at the base of this gully, and there's just way too much snow in it. So looking at it, I thought, there's no way I could get up there because of how much snow was in it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go off to my left, which took me into a smaller basin um, above a different part of the peak. And to get across, so I just had to traverse across to get into this basin. It was possibly one of the hardest bits of the entire journey. Um, just because to get through that bastard grass, the horrid Spaniard, is not much fun. And a lot of it's buried by this summer snow. So you don't see it until you're pushing through it. When you say traverse, are you saying just, are you using that as a synonym for move? Or is traversing a very no, specific no, so, type of movement? So to go like across a mountain face or to go across a ridge to another ridge. Okay, so I'm to traverse. in my head, I'm thinking you're hugging the mountainside and you're yeah, like kind maybe, of, yeah. maybe like putting your, your walking pole along and then taking a step very carefully, just kind of hugging the side of the mountain and inching your way along like that. Is that right? Yep, kind of, kind of not that steep. But I am moving sideways. So right, I've got to okay. get sideways to get to this place that I want to get to. And as I'm going sideways, I come across... At fir- I could see from a distance, when you see things that are man-made, even if they're man-made you know, rock structures, you, you instantly recognize them the more you go into the outdoors because it's just so unnatural. So I see a pile of rocks and think, what is, what's that? And I get closer to it and I find it's a little bivy. So someone at some stage has spent the night in this little rock overhang and they've built a little rock wall it was really cool just to come across it because you think when was that from people yeah, have known about this area it's like an adventure it's it's like finding uh, fi- finding like scraps of, of previous people's adventures and stuff like like a clue or something you know mm, like mm. yeah it's cool so that, that was quite a little reward for having to sort of push through all this scratchy grass and from there then it was quite easy and I was wandering along and then I saw footprints in the snow and they were chamois footprints or chamois as we call them here and that is the European mountain goat and almost as soon as I looked at the footprints I looked up and I saw standing on a big rocky bluff above me the animal I saw him looking back down at me 
And so it was quite convenient because I could now know that that guy got up above me and I just follow his footprints because wherever he went, I could get to there as well. You're talking about a mountain uh, goat. Mountain goat, European mountain goat, so chamois. You, you, you at this stage in your head, the conversation you're having with yourself is, yeah, I'm as good a climber as a mountain goat, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like I, I like to think as humans, because you never see a mountain goat getting to the summit of a mountain if it's tricky, because what, what is the mountain goat going to achieve? Oh, um, I see. Yeah, it, uh, okay, okay. Okay, that, that actually so makes I, more sense. Yeah, like the mountain goat wouldn't even try to climb that. So if the mountain goat's willing to yeah. give it a go, you're probably okay. Absolutely. So okay. it's like a, it's like a little um, and yeah, like I've noticed on tracks where they've followed where the deer go up in the alpine world, and sometimes you think like, why isn't it just going across there? Like, why is the track going up and around there? And then you realise that during rough weather or whatnot, it gets super boggy or there's a reason why the because the animals know and they'll work out ways to to get through things even in the snow like this this animal this chamois obviously knew that the way to get up and around this bluff was this way so i followed him and then eventually he disappeared because man to be able to move through the mountains like they do oh would be awesome um so from here i sort of looked above me and i could see the summit now and i knew that if i just pretty much on almost on my hands and knees but very very steep I could just use my axe and my crampons and just keep pushing on through the snow and the snow is actually helping me now um, to get right to the top so kept on pushing and the views got better and better the clouds cleared more as I got higher and higher and then boom hallelujah standing on the top and what was cool is being in the old inner circle of that area I had a radio just in case and so from the top i just put out a little radio call to everyone that uh, hello from the summit of ocean peak which was quite cool and i've uh, got a couple of you know good on you uh, responses and whatnot um and i mean as now i think the general public know getting to the top of a mountain is nothing <laughs> it really like hooray you've got there now you've got to get back and still I believe 80% of fatalities injuries accidents interesting things they always happen on the descent because you've got if you're not smart about it you've got to what you want to achieve yeah well everything Therefore, I've ever read about off. Um, trying to summit Mount, Mount Everest it's always yep. on the way back down because everybody yep. pushes through they know the weather's coming uh, but everyone's paid to get to the summit because there's no point going unless you're going to stand right on the top. And then, uh, so they push it and they push it and they push it and then that weather hits them on the way down. And mm. The, mm. What, they even have a term for it, the, the death zone or something? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah like um, it's, it's, it's something to, and that's where you've got to sometimes, and there's lots of times where I'll be gutted that I didn't get to the top of a mountain, but I'm not gutted that I'm, a, you know, not, dead mm. <laughs> like, like to be a to be alive is so much better and um so yeah like for so from a pretty early age i've learned that getting to the summit is nowhere to celebrate like yeah, get a, of course uh, you take better, your photos and enjoy better, the view uh, yeah better a live failure than a 
than a dead success. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So get to the top. Oh, that's good. Now I've got to descend, and I'm descending now in quite a warm part of the day. Um, it is because January, uh, and now the snow's quite slushy. So as I'm coming down, there's a few points where maybe because I got to the summit, I was a little bit more relaxed than I should have been, and had just a few little minor slips and had to be like, whoa, okay, just, just take it easy, watch what you're doing here. Um, and then eventually I got down out of the um, upper reaches of the mountain and I got to the top of the bluff where I saw the chamois about three hours before. And so by this stage, I'd come up and I it must have passed the footprints that led around this bluff because I'm at the top of the bluff looking down now to about, I'd say it was about 15 metres below me maybe a little bit less, 12 to 15 metres, quite a big drop, like a, a fairly decent sized building drop, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, right, well, okay, there's, you know, I've, I remember being here, and I remember looking up to here, and if I, and then, I'm in the air. And then, I'm sitting on my back, in a pile of snow, and I'm looking back and I see and I'm like, whoa, I've, I've just fallen off the bluff. I've just, and I pick myself up and I brush myself off because I landed in snow and I landed pretty much square <coughs> on my pack. So I sort of pick myself up and then I look in front of me and about two or three meters in front of me are my footprints. And I'm like, oh, there's the way out. So I start, I just, uh, oh, cool, yeah, cool. And it's about five minutes, not even five minutes, probably three minutes or so. I go, hey, whoa, 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 here you go. Because I've started following my footprints and I've just moved on. I'm like, hang on, what just happened here? Like at first I just didn't, I didn't think about it. I just saw my short, footprints. You found a shortcut. And then, yeah, so I, so I look, I stop, I look back and I see that bluff. And I see on top of it, there's a perfect sort of chunk shape. And that was the snow I was standing on. So this block of snow has broken off in a very minor mini avalanche, but I just happened to be standing on this big block of snow. And off I, go, off I went. Wow. And so luckily it had done it obviously before, and there was a little bit of a cushion of snow beneath me, but there also must have been tussock and whatnot. And then there's lucky fact that I fell onto my pack um, so there was a little um, lunchbox I had, which got crushed. But apart from that, like I'm, I'm standing now you know, about 100 metres away from this thing going, hey, whoa, 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 hang on, how am I, like, fine? <laughs> and, then, and then I sort of had to just carry on, and I followed my footsteps, and then eventually I got to where um, I did the traverse, and instead of doing the traverse, I just made a beeline down to the track, got onto the track and sort of thing and it, you sort of feel a bit I don't know lightheaded almost where you're like whoa that was like yeah, after a the, close call it's the adrenaline it's the adrenaline you're, yeah uh, and, you're, you're and in, once you're it sort of wears off like yeah 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 so it was um the whole like experience was like a a real reminder that like the whole four seasons in one day thing in New Zealand is so true you can go from 
a nice summy summer um, world into a winter world, and there's only a day's different. Yeah, so, the um, one of my uh, one of my Canadian buddies who lived in New Zealand for a year. One of the things he specifically mentioned was, uh, "Where else can you surf in the morning and snowboard in the afternoon?" Mm-hmm. Like, like literally, mm-hmm. you can get up, go for a surf in the morning, jump in your car, drive what two hours to a ski field. Yep. And yep. where you go? Yep. Yeah. Yep. If you live in Riverton or somewhere like that, mm. um, and it's like for me, um, the big thing I took out of it was to respect the snow conditions mm-hmm. um but for for our wonderful listeners out there the big thing is to not become a statistic here in new zealand by dying of um exposure because you packed really lightly because because it's summer heavy quotation marks mm. and like i was actually having a discussion with my sister who she walked the abel tasman track which is the top of the South Island and an area which is considered to be the sunniest area in all of New Zealand around Nelson and whatnot. Um, and she was saying how she had all this extra wake from the clothes that I made her carry. And she was like, ah, oh, you know, next time I do it, I won't have as much stuff and it will be easier. But then I had to point out to her, well, what if next time you do it, it, it rains or snows? Yeah. So it's better to carry a whole lot of extra stuff and never need it than... Yeah, most of the deaths that happen, it's like, it's not catastrophic injuries, but it's something really like, just a stupid thing. Like, um, mm. someone slips, breaks their ankle. They can't walk anymore. But, you know, that's fine and, and if you're in the city, right? Like, you know, you can get someone to help you. Yep. But if yep, you Somebody break will your, see you. Yeah, or you break your ankle at just the wrong spot just as the bad weather's coming in and you're not mm. prepared for that bad weather like yeah people mm. die people die every year right yep yeah, yep every, every and year like even dies. yeah and to like even you can even go as far as taking away the fact that you have a broken ankle you can be perfectly fine but exposure <laughs> it'll get you so yeah. if you're not prepared and you have to spend a night outside i mean hypothermia is the silent killer yeah, well, we've, and, we've talked about it before. Like, New Zealand gets mm, wet and damp at night mm, uh, compared to a lot mm, of places. Like, it is it is a wet, damp, cold. And it's like, it's like the sort of thing that even if you have a warm, like, if, if you're wearing, like, a wool sweater, uh, sorry, jersey, sweater, jersey, jumper. Um, God, I'm so multicultural. Anyway, um, if you have one of those, like, I've heard stories of, like, oh, it's really warm, it's wool, and then that wool absorbs all the moisture in the air and like mm. freezes you like it's it's actually yep. worse um yeah it's, it's your core layer yeah huh. so like people will well i mean well there's a there's a story we'll get to eventually and we'll probably reference it on every single episode <laughs> where things didn't quite go to plan for us um but because we played it pretty cool literally yeah um and like yeah we thought about our situation and survival. I mean, we're here to tell the tale and yeah. we'll tell the tale eventually. But... Yeah, this this tale, I'm saving it for a special one. I've, I've got a couple of yeah, ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think maybe I'd take the turn at telling the story for this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It'd be nice to hear it from your perspective because there has been um, a, a few, not arguments, but maybe 
truths that have become different in each other's <laughs> eyes, which would be nice to iron out. Anyway, um, we'll stop, yeah, like we'll stop hinting at yeah. this. No one knows what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 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 listen, yeah, listeners, that story will be coming up. We'll uh, once once we once we started making money, we'll put it behind a paywall or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, big, this is a we got yeah. big big goals with this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So that's just a really cool story. Summarize with the summer, the summer snow. Yeah. 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 So, like it was a, I guess like you could call it an avalanche. But it's more just, well, it was loose snow that fell off. So yeah, because yeah, you thought you were on a rocky outcropping. Nope, just snow. Mm. Off you wow. go. Off you go. Awesome. So um, yeah. All right, good story. Yeah, yeah I liked that one. I uh, I was wrapped. I was uh, I was quite happy listening to you there along the way. Oh, brilliant. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. Now it's time for a very special segment that we're going to be doing uh, every one of these episodes. It's yes. talking to Rayo with Mark and Cam. Yay! Hey, <laughs> brilliant. We're still working on the theme brilliant. song, listeners. Still working on the yeah, theme yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I think that that was. Yeah. All right, now Mark. Um, uh, I had a, I had a, yes. I had a, I had to think about the format for this. Uh, yes. And for this format, just so that our listeners at home can play along, I'm going to spell you. A Maori word, and Ooh. you are going to then pronounce that Maori word uh, in cool. uh, as well a correct pronunciation that you can do. Um, cool. And I think I like it this way because I think we'll have a number of uh, a number of listeners going, "Yep, yep, I know those letters. I know the sound those letters make." Um, yep. <laughs> and then, yep. we, then we can see at the end how close uh, how close our listeners were to the pronunciation. Uh, so, are you ready? Cool, cool. Yes. Okay. Let's play. So, uh, this is a Maori word. It means family. Mm. Uh, it's a word you used uh, mm. during this particular uh, during this particular mm. uh, podcast episode. Uh, the word is W H A N A U. How would you pronounce that, Mark? Well, I believe the correct pronunciation is Fano. Oh, Carpi, Mark, Carpi. Uh, as always, there's two weeks in a row. Very high mark. Uh, very high mark yes. for Mark. Uh, yes. I'm actually going to give him a perfect 10 this week. Um, and one thing, Cam, which is very annoying with that word, and uh, the WH can throw people off, being yes. an F sound. Um, but the big thing that really throws people out um, is the AU, and the AU is actually on the end of my hometown, which is Tiano. So to most locals, and this is where we get to, like we did with Hackatry <laughs> instead of Hakatere, most locals, or I don't want to say most locals, some people um, will always call it Tiana. And what annoys me about this is with some people you say, okay, you ask the exact same question you asked me. What is the Tereo Māori word for family? And they'll go, oh, that's whānau. And you're like, yes. So where are we? Tianya. <laughs> no. <laughs> because A-U makes an O. An O. So tiano, whānau. And it's just, there's some things where it's just so hard because their entire life, their parents' life, yeah. their grandparents' life, it has been tianya. Yeah, and um, 
we're here to change the world, aren't we, Cam? We are. We are. We're here to change the change, change. You know, change some attitudes that sort of way. Like, I don't want to get into why it's important to pronounce things the way they should be pronounced and their correct pronunciation. Mm. Like, but I mean, I would use the word. It just sounds polite. Like, it is. Mm. It is their word. It is the way that it's that it's meant to be pronounced. Um, yeah, call it politeness if anything. All right. Well, yeah. good, good job there on the uh, Fano. Now, I'm going to take the lead here. Uh, being that I do live in North America, I'm going to give you um, what I would believe would be a typical North American attempt at pronunciation, uh, pronouncing this word. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> well, we were having a lovely time in New Zealand. Uh, they call it Aotearoa. It's so cool. And... We went and we stayed with this guy, and he introduced us to his family. And his wana was <laughs> beautiful. Am I am I saying that right? Wana, wana. Oh, I miss tourists. <laughs> I want them to come back. Uh, was that pretty spot on? Uh, do, you, do you reckon? Oh, based that on, was brilliant. Based on your, that, was, that was brilliant. Because <laughs> to hear an F noise coming from a WH just... It's yeah, so confusing it, the first time. But once it, you work that out, it's pretty easy. Oh, also, what I love with the WH, just to make it even more contentious, um, apparently, if you go to the north of the North Island, they do pronounce it as a W instead of an F. And wow. so you can have this argument all over again. Um, the difference between, uh, what's that place name? Uh, uh, Whangarei and Wangarei. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's classic. Yes. And that's a real sort of shows like the differences between the tribes, because of course, Māori isn't just one people. It is mm. a collection of tribes who were all very separate to each other. Um, and the word Māori only came about once the Europeans got here because they needed a word to show them to the other people that were coming from around the world. Because yeah, up you, until then, you, you, were, you were your tribe. Yeah, you need a word to basically separate them and, and so that you can differentiate between the brown people and the white people. We need a collective exactly, word yeah. for all these brown people. They did, they did the same thing in Canada as well. You know, mm. they're not Indians. Native American, Native Canadians mm. are not Indians. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, so... Mm. Um, and But that's, again, that terminology, you'll still hear that word, Indian used. Um, yep. Like there's even like official like laws where it still gets used and referenced, and they just they just haven't gotten around to updating it yet. But um, mm. yeah, no, that's that's another interesting thing. All these little uh, cultural comparisons. Absolutely, yeah. Because I, I did like it when I went through Vancouver Airport and seeing quite a lot of um, the the culture in the airport, and it reminded me a lot of when you come into New Zealand into Aotearoa, New Zealand, I mean, you'll see Māori culture everywhere. Mm. Like, you'll see kia ora before you see hello. Yeah, and I, I think that's, cool. that's one of the different big differences between New Zealand and Canada. Like, and don't get me wrong, listeners, like, New Zealand doesn't have race relations licked by any by any means. Like, there's, no. still, there's still a lot of problems in New Zealand. That's, but I, I, think in, in, I think in terms of, like, one thing that I am proud of, though, is that, like, w we like that we have this, that Māori is part of our culture. I think on a whole, mm. it's seen as a, as a good, positive, nice thing that we celebrate and that, that we like. Um, and won't and, let it die. 
won't and, let and it won't, disappear and won't let disappear and won't let die and i i do think that it's easier for us uh as an island nation a smaller nation to to kind of get everyone on board with that um because like yep. yeah sadly most North, sad, most yeah. most on board most on board because sadly in north america it's 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 kind of sad but it's just not the case it's uh the mm. like there's there's moves to make it more and it's actually really interesting seeing people make these moves to try and make it more culturally inclusive um and, yep. and actually seeing like the resistance sort of play out um yeah anyway anyway but we'll get into we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about that in um in another episode have we got anything left to say mark I, I, I think that's about it. Um, apart from that, get your rain jackets ready if you're in Aotearoa, New Zealand, because the rain is still coming down and the puddles are getting bigger and bigger. Okay, all right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us again for episode two. We're actually stoked that you managed to, you're still listening to us after, after our first episode. Um, very, very happy. <laughs> hopefully these will get a little bit more polished as we go on. and um, Possibly yeah, death as well, just putting it out there. <laughs> the people still listening to us. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's possible they, they heard the first episode, shot themselves, and then the second episode just started playing automatically. Maybe that, maybe that would occur. Yeah, true. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like their their cat that's waiting to be fed is still listening. <laughs> well, it's taken a real different turn, hasn't oh, it? All right. And on that uh, note, yeah. Oh uh, no, that, that lovely note. Yep. Mark, what do you got for us next time? Um, so the next time, Cameron, um, what we're going to do is actually take a little trip into the valley of your namesake now of course this won't be the trip we've, to, we've mentioned so many times and we'll keep mentioning uh, but it is to the same place and is almost just as dramatic so it's a trip into the cameron valley that we're looking at next time and that's all i'm going to say for now all right wonderful um well as always everyone um if you'd like to uh read up on more of mark's stories get a little peek ahead you can go to nzhikes.co.nz uh, Mark's on Instagram mm -hmm. as nzhikes.co.nz, Facebook slash nzhikes, uh, and we're also using the hashtags on a mish, bent dub nation, that's B E N T D U B N A T I O N, and uh, nzhikes. Those are our three hashtags. And also, please uh, don't forget about Mark's favorite charity, the Active Hearts Foundation.org, um, yes. building schools in Nepal. It's a great cause. Namaste. Um, and uh, that's about that. So I will bid you farewell. Uh, goodbye and kaki piano. Kia ora, kaki te. Okay, catch up.